Welcome to the Voices of War, a podcast with a simple vision, to bring to life the true costs of war through the voices of those who've lived it. I'm your host, Maz, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, my guest today is Dayan Wikanovic. He is an Australian Army officer with 19 years of military experience. He has completed several, tour- several tours of Afghanistan and also deployed to East Timor. Dayan is the only other Australian Army officer of Bosnian heritage I know, which is why this conversation is particularly close to my heart. He was born in northern Bosnia in 1980 and experienced the full brunt of the war in the 90s. His hometown of Prijedor made global news due to the campaign of ethnic cleansing committed by the Bosnian Serb forces seeking to forcefully remove the Bosnian Muslims and Bosnian Croat population from the area. As a result of these crimes, many of Dayan's extended family members were lost in concentration camps. And sadly, this includes his father, Senad Mikanovic, who was killed in the Omarska concentration camp in 92. In the ensuing chaos, Dayan was separated from his mother and his siblings, and they have lived apart ever since. During his journey, he was forced to spend over two years in various refugee camps in Croatia and Austria, and in the late 1995, he was fortunate to settle in Australia with his grandmother. Now, 25 years later, Dayan is married and a proud father to his son. Dayan, thanks for joining me. And then, uh, firstly, I would like to uh, applaud you for your initiative in starting this podcast. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to share my story and, and more importantly, giving uh, opportunity to others to share theirs. Um, secondly, I would like to remind um, our listeners that what I share in this podcast are my views and do not represent official ADF position. And look, lastly, and most importantly, I want to acknowledge that my stories can never do uh, justice for all those who went through similar events, but who mm-hmm. suffered beyond that experienced by me. Those who were part of my story through all wars we will talk about, the yeah. source of my strength, and I'm eternally indebted to those many mm-hmm. who are far better human beings than I ever was or ever will be. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you very much for that, uh, for the for for saying that. Uh, and I should also uh, say that uh, Dayan is also known as Boz, uh, which is the nickname he has picked up due to his uh, Bosnian heritage. Uh, so perhaps uh, throughout this podcast, I might even refer to him as uh, either Boz or Dayan, uh, but I think Boz kind of rolls off the tongue. Uh, and the other thing I want to I want to mention as well, uh, maybe as a source of as, as a as a short dis- disclaimer to our listeners, uh, I met Boz uh, back in two thousand and seven, I think. Uh, you were uh, six months ahead of me at the Royal Military College, Duntroon. Uh I was coming across from the Australian Defence Force Academy into uh, the college, uh, and we were asked to um, choose which uh, uh, which building or which company we wanted to go to. And for those who are not aware of our listeners, there are five companies on the college, and you know you go to one of those, and that kind of uh, that's where you do your training. I had absolutely no idea. I had no affiliation with any companies. Um, you know, some people had family members who had gone there before. The only thing that was told to me by one of my uh, uh, supervisors was, hey, there's another crazy Bosnian uh, shaved head and smokes like a chimney uh, and he's in Kapyong. Um, I was like, yep, sounds about right. So why, why don't I also <laughs> go to Kapyong? Uh, so that's how I met Boz. Uh, uh, so it was a, that, that was interesting. Um, but Boz, before we dive into the details of your of your background too deeply, perhaps we can start uh, more recently. You know, with your decision to join the Australian Army, what what motivated you uh, to first become a soldier and then later uh, an officer in the army? Um, I suppose, firstly, 
but when I first moved to Australia, like many of like many young refugees, we find ourselves not necessarily on a good path. Mm. Okay, mm. and um, and all the elders in in the Bosnian community, my family members specifically, um, are, um, very supportive of um, service in military because, as you remember, our fathers they all served as conscripts, yeah. so they believe that. You know, a young man's life should include some military service. I, 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 I thought um, that a young man's life should include military service as well. And, uh, and so, so you know, walking through Parramatta, not, um, you know, having flunked out of uni again at age of twenty-one, and mm. I was, I was, like, you know, where do I go from here? And, uh, and uh, I, I get some courage, walked into a recruitment office, and, and never looked back. And look at everything. Everything that I have uh, done since has been with with help of army. So, so to that end, you know, army army is is my family. Uh, army was the family I was looking for, and um, uh, and you know, I will I'll be always indebted uh, to the Australian Defence Force, specifically army, for you know giving giving a refugee a chance mm. uh, to, to structure his life back mm. uh, after after the events of Bosnia and, and refugee camps and whatnot. So. Mm. Uh, and then you know the, the 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 other side of that is I you know having experienced um, bad soldiering and good soldiering, um, having observed bad soldiering and good soldiering during Bosnian War, um, I, I wanted to make a change. So I, I wanted I wanted to be the good soldier, and I, I aspire to be a good soldier. And, mm-hmm. and you know uh, here we are, nineteen years later. Yeah, yeah. You 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 made an interesting comment uh, right at the start of that. Uh, that you know, many refugees uh, end up going down the not so good path. What do you mean mm-hmm. by that? I, I think it's I think it's difficult. Um, a lot of lot of lot of refugee kids, um, be it in Australia or, or what I've observed in Austria and and, and in in Croatia, um, they're like lost boys and girls. Mm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of lot of kids who are orphans. A lot of kids come out um, traumatized. Scared, um, um, and, and on top of that, they're dealing with the normal stuff the kids are dealing with being a teenager. Mm, so mm. when you imagine the turbulence of becoming a teenager, and you combine the two in effect, becoming a teenager as you're going through refugee camps, mm. that it's inevitable that 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 your that your that your uh, uh, outlook on life yeah. is pursuing more immediate happiness. Yeah. And, and and pleasure than than long term success. If that makes sense. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely. I mean, and that that I, I can. The, the reason that uh, struck a chord is because I can certainly relate to that myself. Um, you know, there were specific uh, uh, moments in my life that you know, as you say, you're kind of, you know, you either go left or right, uh, and and that particular track that you take is where you end up. Um, and there were certainly a couple of points where. Uh, I could have very easily gone down that path or the not so good path, um, but maybe we can track back to that um, uh, as as the story unfolds. Um, but as I said in my intro, so you you were born uh, in northern Bosnia. So you were born in Prijedor? Uh Yes. Well, well actually, on on, on birth certificate, I'm actually born in Banja Luka. Banja, okay. Um, yeah. I, 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 that was that was that was because of uh, birth complications or whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was born in Banja Luka. Um, but born only. I grew up in Prijedor. Prijedor, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the war started in '92, so you would have been uh, what, 11, 12? You were born in 1980, so you would. So, so, that, that, so, so I was I was um, 12 years old 
when the when the war started in in that part of Bosnia. Yeah. Obviously, um, you know, I remember the uh, lead up to war and issues in Croatia, which I believe started yeah. sort of second half of '91. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yes, yes, I was I was 12 years old um, when it started. Yeah. Now, now I have a I have a distinct memory uh, of the day the war started in Sarajevo. I mean, we we were. Uh, uh, and what I remember of it, I mean, I was, I'm a year, I'm a year younger than you, so I was, I was 11. Um, my mum, the night before, I guess the war started, my mum could hear the river that it, uh, kind of, that flows a couple of kilometers from our house. Uh, and that was the first time she could ever hear the river. It was that quiet. It was eerily quiet. Uh, and so quiet that my parents, uh, both realized something is going on. So the next morning, uh, we just kind of grabbed the bag each and went to my aunt's house further in, uh, in inside Sarajevo, inside the city. Um, that day, basically, the barricades went up. Uh, the city was closed. Uh, the next day, the guns uh, uh, started firing. What do you remember of, of those first days? How, how, how did the war start for you? Mm. You know, so, so uh, you know, and this is, this is where, where our war, Bosnian war experiences uh, may differ a little bit. So mm-hmm. um, for us, for us, the bulk of war was more about ethnic cleansing. There was certainly shooting, but how it began it was it was ninety was nineteen ninety two, and um, and this, um, the 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 uh, um, Serb um, separate forces mm-hmm. um, occupied the city. Uh, they occupied. They did a basically like a coup um, yeah. or key city installations. And uh, all I remember is waking up in the morning and. You know, mom and dad were talking feverishly about something, and I, I said, "Hey, should I go to school?" And mom said, "Yes, you will go to school." Um, uh, I remember uh, seeing because we, we lived right next to the tallest building in in, in Trieder, and and there was a different flag on, on there. I remember I went to school, and there was, you know, there was normally in class there was about th- you know thirty of us. That day there was about twelve of us, and mm. uh, I remember talking to um, uh, one of the girls. Uh, uh, as, and, and you know, and all the kids are talking. Said, "Oh, you know, what's happening?" And she said, "Oh, the city is liberated." And I said, "Liberated from whom?" Like you know, like I was, I was convinced wow. that you know, we grew up in this. I was convinced it must have been the Germans or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. What are you talking about? Liberated. Uh, uh, and 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 she said, "You know, from from you, from Muslims." <laughs> and uh, and it was the first time that I. Uh, and then I heard my family talk before this. We were Muslim background, but yeah. my dad, my dad was uh, my, my dad was strictly not religious. Um, uh, so I, so I went back home and you know uh, you know told mom I could I could experience there was sort of a fear in the city you know like you could mm. there was less movement and everybody sort of weirdly looking at each other. And I went yeah. went back home and I said to mom, "Hey mom, you know, um, are we Muslims?" And and mom was mom was angry at me. She was like. Stop talking like that. And I'm yeah. like, okay. I was so confused. So my experience of war was uh, utter confusion. It was, yeah. it was, uh, it was uncovering an identity that I yeah. wasn't quite aware of. Yeah. Because a lot of us weren't necessarily, uh, you know, attuned to our ethnicity. Um, right. yeah. So, so it was, uh, that, that's how it started. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a hugely important point, right? I mean, we woke up to an identity. Uh, and I think that was, a, I mean, m- my experience was similar in that sense. I mean, we were, we are a secular family, never had, you know, generations that I know, you know, two, three generations back, certainly, we haven't had any religious affiliations. 
but overnight, uh, my mum became Croat, which is bizarre because she's anything but. And my dad became Muslim, right? Which is he's anything but, <laughs> right? There you go. It's it's and it's a it's an identity that uh, you know was ascribed to you against your better judgment, right? But it also it was the identity that meant life or death, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how did that unfold? Uh, in Piedra for you guys, because obviously, you know, you were now marked uh, ultimately as, right, Muslim, even though you, as you say yourself, didn't know up, up until that point. Yeah, no, look, it's, and uh, so my dad was uh, was a police officer and uh, right. a couple of couple of days into the uh, change of government, uh, my grandfather came and uh, we all packed in his car and we were going to drive out to a, a, a village called mm. Kozerac, which is mm. between Prijedan and Banjaluka and sort of, um, you know, early on the way to Omska as well. But we went to Kozerac and we went into, we went into hiding there. Or we went, you know, to, 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 to live with my grandfather. Uh, and, and Kozerac is a, is, a, is, a, is a little village, small township um, that, that got destroyed in the end for it. But it was majority, uh, it was majority Bosnian Muslims. It was my... Uh, my mom's side of families from there so so when they we spent there approximately six weeks and uh and in the ensuing period the uh yugoslav national army you were still tracking there was a yugoslav national army yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, drove through the little township and occupied artillery positions on on, on uh, uh and, and 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 held some high ground mm. and famous because of the mountain yeah um and we were there for about six weeks and then um you know dad came and Said, hey, look, we we actually have to head back um, uh, for one reason or another. But when we went back, he he told me that I will go into hiding at my other grandmother's place in the city, which was the grandmother that I finished up living with. And back, he in Pri- went, back in Priador, yeah. So you were going to come back from. That from- is correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is correct. So so as we <clears throat> came back from six weeks worth of hiding, we mm-hmm. they dropped me off to my grandmother's, and I stayed there with my grandmother and grandfather. He went with my mom and my sisters back to the apartment, <clears throat> and that was gonna that that was the last time that I saw him. Was uh, uh, as he dropped me off, he came over to check up on me, and uh, <clears throat> you know, shortly after that, he was uh, he was uh, taken and um, and killed. Um, um, but uh, it un- unfold- unfolded like that. So the the uh, uh, the terror, the horror, you know. Slowly built up, and and we found ourselves in 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 very um, very difficult situation by mid ninety three. Yeah, which we which which obviously we'll get to. But what, what, so why why were you separated at that point? Why did they drop you off uh, to your grandmother's? Did, my, my 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 parents were um, afraid, I suppose, because of my age. I yeah. was I was going on thirteen. I was um, I was a. a, a you know, becoming a teenage Bosnian mm-hmm. boy, and unfortunately, uh, they 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 feared for my safety. They mm-hmm. feared that I would draw a lot of attention mm-hmm. um, uh, as a male, as a young yeah. male, yeah. Uh, uh, as much as my father did. Uh, and 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 I, I suppose they didn't want to run that risk. They were happy for me to stay at my grandmother. It was also an area which I'd grown up in. The neighbors knew me, and and yeah. and they just felt it was a little bit safer there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, and and you said that was the last time you saw your dad when he uh, when he dropped you off. Uh, 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 
I mean, you told me that he was lost uh, later in the Omaskar camp. But w w what do you know of the circumstances of, of, of how? Um, you know, and, and this is this is something um, um, that I sort of pieced together over years. So that was uh, that was um, um, he, he went to the markets to buy some milk for my youngest sister at that stage. She was she was uh, she was that stage. She was two or three months old, wow, and she. Yeah. she he took, he took my other sister who was at that stage five years old. And he went to the markets to buy milk and, uh, and the uh, uh, security police picked him up at the markets, just threw him in the car uh, and, you know, left, left my sister just crying in the middle of the city in market. And some, some people returned back home to mom. Uh, he finished up uh, being taken to an interrogation camp called Keraterm. Uh, uh, Keraterm, um, 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 a lot of people got killed in Keraterm or, they were definitely tortured there. Yeah. Uh, there was systematic, um, there was systematic targeting of uh, ex-police uh, and 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 people of importance of yeah. Muslim background and Catholic background. So Muslim, 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 Muslim Croats yeah. um, in the city, and he was he was swept up in that wave. He from Keratem um, after a few days, um, uh, they took him to Amerska. Whilst he was at Keratem. A friend of his, who was an Orthodox, um, 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 uh, was Serbian soldier at that stage, uh, came over to my grandfather and told my grandfather, and I was there when he came, that dad was taken. He said that dad was cold uh, and he needs a jacket. So my grandfather went and grabbed his warm winter jacket and gave uh, uh, gave that jacket and a bottle of bottle of um, um, cognac. Uh, to be taken to my father, uh, and and it was that bottle of cognac ultimately that finished up being the I suppose the, the, you know uh, that 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 played a, a huge impact on his life. As from so from the uh, people who were in Omerska with my dad, from what I gather is that uh, uh, as dad was sitting, they all the, all these men were sitting on this huge. Um, um, a mining hangar, you know, next to each other. And uh, mm -hmm. dad took out the bottle of cognac and shared it around. Mm -hmm. And a Serbian soldier came in, saw the bottle of cognac and, and demanded that the, the, uh, the, 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 you know, the people in captivity tell him who brought the cognac in. My dad put his hand up. Uh, my dad was told to get up. Uh, he walked out and nobody ever saw him again. We, it was in, uh, it was in nine, it was in 2006, that um, it was, I suppose, around 2005, we started finding some bones mm. from that. Um, uh, and then in, in 2006, we, we had some over 75% water bones. And, and I talked to my family and, and we, we agreed that we will conduct the funeral uh, mm. so we can all get some closure. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the issue was that as, as these men were killed in Omerska, they were buried immediately in, in the in the mine pits there. Then as the um, as the world found out about the horrors that were committed uh, uh, by that state, um, they started um, covering their tracks and they moved bones from, from to different pits. Yeah. So you finish up having a lot of you finish up having um, a lot of, lot of families, you know, bones scattered around the city. Yeah, uh, and when we buried Dad in 2006, he was buried with, I believe, it was 300 over 300 people. It was a mass funeral for over 300 people, and um, um, yeah, I, I went there and um, I was at that stage. You remember? I, I think it was just as you were coming in, yeah, uh, uh, coming into RMC. I, 
And when they've a couple of weeks came back and continued my training. Um, and, and, and that's, that's how, that is how dead, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's how dead died. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, 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 if they feel like such empty words to say, I'm sorry to hear that because they are, uh, the, the, the pain and torture that your family has gone through is, is probably, it's very hard to capture in words. Um, but I, I, I'm, yeah, I congratulate you on having the, the courage to then join the military and, and, and retain a sense of, uh, normalcy. Um, and I think the rest of your family, you, you've also lost other members of your family, right? In, in, in that, the that same camps. Is that right? Yes, that, that is in camps. Yes. So, um, so when dad disappeared, uh, dad disappeared, uh, my uncle who lived not too far from us. So my mom's brother and his family came in and they stayed with us for a little bit. Then my uncle was taken eventually as well, but he finished up going to a different camp called Tinopole. Yeah. And Tinopole was, um, the, the, the people were still maltreated and, 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 and whatnot, but it was, it wasn't on the level of Keratin or Omerska, definitely. So yeah. put out the were taken to Tinopole and then from there they were either taken into the into the worst places or um, mm. or released in some case so they can yeah. travel through Croatia as refugees and get out yeah, or changed or whatever for 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 yeah that, that's that's right so I was uh, I was in Tenopoli, uh actually because my auntie through through my again through my uncle's um, my uncle's friend was a god at the mm. camp <laughs> and he allowed. Uh, asked to bring some food to some men. So I went inside a camp, um, you know, went to a little, told me to go to a little hole in the fence. I went inside the hole of the fence, found all these men. I brought them some some bread, some food, and I saw three or four, you know, these 20 guys uh, uh, never never made it out, out alive. Um, interesting that I have a memory of, as I brought all this food to these guys, that they sat down and they made me eat first and then huh. they ate. It was, it was, it was epic. But yes, it was a lot of family. So hold um, on. So, my... so, so, just, just to, sorry, just to pick on that because that's a, that's, I mean, a, a, without skimming over that point. I mean, so you were what? You were twelve at the time, and mm-hmm. you snuck in through a hole in the fence line to bring yes. in food to some, uh, to, to about twenty men who were, who were basically prisoners of war. Yeah, uh, that's correct. And a lot that's of which true. didn't make it out alive uh, afterwards. Yeah, that's what was that like for you at that time as, as a 12 year old i mean what goes what goes through your mind at that stage you know i suppose if 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 there was if there was something positive was probably my age i was i, I mm. think i was just too young to understand the yeah. gravity of what was happening around me yeah. everything seemed like an adventure you yeah. know, uh, military equipment driving around tanks. All of us were just excited to see tanks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, whereas the older, pe- you know, as the adults were concerned, we we thought it was amazing. Yeah, you know, well, amazing. But no, no, but a uh, child's uh, curiosity. You know? Yeah. As far as the you know hole in the in the fence line, that that was of course the the, the guard was was mm. the uh, was was a friend of my. Yeah. Was a friend of my uncle, so so you know it wasn't it wasn't. You know, I didn't do. A, a, you went something. sneaking in. He, he, he I wasn't went, sneaking in. Like you know, he just told yeah. me, "Hey, go to the hole in the fence line there." Yeah, and yeah. and you know, went in there, found him, and, and you know, gave him some food, and that was it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I, I'm not I'm not claiming at all to have done some, but you know, it was it was like that. I was I was a child, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I just you know, it was it was later. It's in years later that you go like, wow, well, that that's that's that was normal. That's for sure. 
Yeah, that's that's a bizarre experience, and that's something I want to touch on. But it's it's something I reflect on as well. I mean, because you you made a point now about it being kind of you know as a kid you're you're excited and you know I was in Sarajevo, so the city was under siege, so we couldn't move around. We were sitting in set in the cellar because uh, being you know being bombed uh, all day every day, and I was sitting in the cellar drawing you know, tanks and planes with the Bosnian flag on it. And, you know, that's it. We're going to war. And, uh, uh, and like you said, it was exciting. You know, we had like a little, uh, little target, uh, at that point in time, it was off Milosevic that we threw, you know, kind of darts or, you know, that sort of stuff, little rocks that me and my brother used to compete with, uh, who's going to get, uh, you know, more points. Um, and when, because we left in a UN convoy and when the, when the time came for us to leave, I, I remember crying that whole night. Not because I was, you know, going to leave my dad, which of course was part of it, um, because he couldn't leave as a fighting age male, um, but because I was being torn away from, you know, the war. I, 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 that's it. I'm going to fight. What do you mean? I'm not going to be here. Uh, you know, like you say, it was, it was, you know, there's, there's army, there's, there's tanks, there, there's, there's weapons. I need to be, I need to defend my country, which is a really, really bizarre um, experience to have. And only later do you reflect on how, how unnatural uh, that experience is um yeah. when did you first reflect on that experience uh, uh as and realize that hold on this is actually not something that most kids go through so um as as we came out of so so it was in 1993 uh my uncle that i mentioned before and his mm -hmm. family were leaving uh, bosnia and my mom put me on a red cross bus with them uh, and you know, uh, and I was never going to live with my mom again after that, um, uh, or my sisters. Um, uh, and we left into we left to through to Croatia, uh, and it, in Croatia, in the, my grandmother found me because my uncle had to continue going on because he had papers for to, to move on to US with his family. I couldn't come along, so uh, my grandmother found me the one from my father's side, and she took me with her to refugee camp in Varaždin. It was really in Varaždin that once we. Once we freed ourselves from the propaganda and information warfare that was going on at that stage, we, 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 you know, we, we were in Priedor. We could see that Bosnian Muslims are thinning out. We could see that people are disappearing. We know that our, that our, that our um, you know, father was gone. But there was a hope at, at all stages. Mm. All these men, all these young men, all these women, mm -hmm. Well, actually outside just waiting for us. Mm -hmm. we, we, we thought they made it out. Mm -hmm. And it was in Varajin really that we started <clears throat> being confronted by possibility that something really bad is happening there, that, that, that something, something is not going fine. You, you have to remember it was really some, some hard work, uh, some hard and brave work by Western media that, that uncovered mm -hmm. the existence of camps. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was the same for us who lived there. We just... It, 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 it wasn't necessary. When I look back, yeah, the signs were there. But I was uh, young, yeah. uh, and people optimistic, and people just did not expect that something like that was going on. Mm. And that is a fact. They didn't expect it. So it was really in Varaždin. Then going to refugee camps in Austria, I started encountering more orphans. Yeah. Um, uh, stories started surfacing. Uh, distinct possibility. Um, you know, rumors started. That uh, that uh, uh, none of that moment, a lot of men in Omerska were killed. Mm. Uh, that uh, it wasn't just that my second, my second, uh, you know, the second group of, of relatives and whatnot they were killed in Manjača, 
which was, uh, uh, yeah. you know, and I'm sure you've heard of Minecha concentration camp. You heard it. Omarska was a death camp. Minecha was a death camp. The, the the people that we weren't seeing in the city, there's more chance that they were killed than they, they were alive. But that is something that was pieced together. It was something that was uncovered by media. It was something that, you know, that we found out talking to other people. But mm. we knew things were bad, but we just didn't didn't understand how far some uh, people went in, in, in you know, harming, mm. harming their um, fellow citizens during yeah. that war. Yeah. yeah. So, so how how many members of your family perished in 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 the war? Look, I will, you know. So, you know, on on my my dad's side was my dad, my mom's side uh, it was a it was a, a brother. Then, because uh, be, because we, you know, as as you know, with us, your first and second mm. cousins, mm, yeah, little uh, uncles, you know, in Kozerets, I can think of at least three, four uh, men were related, so they related to me to my grandfather. They're all, uh, the youngest one, I believe he was, he was 17. And, and I have to make a mention of, so my grandfather's brother had but one son, one son, and that son was killed. And mm. what I found out when I went back to Bosnia uh, was that actually that, that son, he, he was adopted. And, mm. and, and from what people, understood of that child when he was adopted is that he was actually a Serbian child brought up by a Muslim man. He was going to name Emir. And uh, Emir was killed because, because of his, uh, because of who his dad was. But, but understanding was that he was actually, that he was actually Serb who was adopted. But, you know, so, so a <clears throat> lot of, lot of, lot of men, a lot of men, um, and I, you know, Sanity. you, you, you can, you, you know, if you, you know, if you go to Kozerats <clears throat> and the uh, and the lines and lines of 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 gravestones mm. around, uh, yeah. always date ninety nine two. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely insane. What? What? Why? What happens? How, how is how is this? How do you understand it? How is this possible? Uh, you know, what makes a neighbor kill a neighbor? How does this transition happen? And how does it happen so quickly and then so viciously? You know, um, I can only speculate. Mm. I, speaking to my sister, she's, my sister is currently, uh, she's a PhD candidate at mm -hmm. the University of Pennsylvania. And, uh, uh, and, and her, her area of research is, is conflict studies. Mm. Unsurprisingly, um, of course, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, and we were talking about this, we were specifically talking about the the notion of collective, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, I looked at, uh, you know, I thought about this a little bit, and and I I have a theory that that has much to do is that people ultimately do this to belong, to amplify, mm -hmm. to amplify their belonging to a particular side. Mm. Um, and and I, I we we had some we had some um, um, some some great presenters. I did this. Uh, we covered this off at Staff College. It was um, um, uh, under leadership. But the theory is that a social identity theory is self-categorization theory. Yeah. Where, you know, yes. us as individuals, we, 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 try to, we try to become you know, members of this bigger collective. And I think ultimately that's what drives people. They, they do it because they, they, they think, hey, my collective demands me to do this. And hence, hence people do it to belong. Um, uh, and and interesting, an interesting thing about that same collective is that is that 
as that collective is winning, people can have a common experience of joy, happiness, pride. Mm. You know, that mm. you can see it in different types of groups, you know. But what collective is unable to do is accept responsibility mm. uh, and, and experience guilt collectively. Mm. So ultimately, I think people do it as a buying into the into the collective, into their group to, to amplify the membership of that group. Uh, and uh, and as the horrors start in the beginning, it might be uh, slapping a man uh, mm. and then hitting a man or a woman, and then and that just deteriorates because there is no mediating factor. Law law doesn't play role anymore. All you have to do is like, you have to do worse and worse things in order to, to you know to show yeah. your allegiance to, to, to it, justify. It, it's yeah. a, theory. It's a theory. It's a theory because you know I, I refuse. I refuse to think that people are inherently evil because they're mm. not. Mm-hmm. They're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are not evil. Um, mobs are, mobs yeah. are, yeah. and we become part of these these mobs. We 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 leave some of our you know ethical and and and, and, and moral compass aside, and, and, mm. and we go forth and do what mob wants us to do, so we can be part of this mob. Yeah, and when yeah. one done, and when the mob is found to have done committed something horrible, we distance ourselves from it, and and mm. and we we people find it difficult. So on the day that we buried 304 people in the city of Prieto, that wasn't even announced on Prieto radio station because yeah. people there just cannot comprehend that this was done around them. And it was the same day as it was for for experiences during Second World War with concentration camps. So pe- people just, just are refusing to accept that something was done in the name. They're refusing to accept that it was right under their noses and they could have seen if they wanted to. Yeah, because ultimately human beings are incapable of taking on that much pain yeah. and that much responsibility and guilt. At least I theorize. Yeah, no, and and, and I think you, you know you, you'll find there's plenty plenty of literature supporting that uh, as well. Uh, you know, and particularly with social identity theory. I mean, one of the things that it does uh, uh, espouse is that you know galvanizing these groups, uh, you know, this us and them or or me and the other. You know, it's very easy once these boundaries have been drawn, uh, you know, we exaggerate the similarities between our perceived inner group uh, and we also exaggerate the differences between the imposed other, right? And I think that's what you're, you're very much speaking to that right now, that it's the, it's the imposition, uh, perhaps through the information operations that you mentioned, uh, you know, it's perhaps through fear, uh, the fear of the unknown, fear of the other, that's then what drives the creation of these groups, right? You, you were marked as Muslim, right? You were all of a sudden an other, right? Same as I, I mean, I, I was classified as, uh, you know, an other as well, falling into various different groups because it was, you know, and, and just by, by definition, you know, for an other to exist, there needs to be an us, right? And whatever that us is, that's what, that's, that, that's what drives it. It's a it's a it's a fascinating fascinating topic. Um, look, I would just like to flag to our listeners yeah. as well that you know my name is Dayan. Yeah, okay? yeah. Dayan yeah. is a, is, a, is, a, is a uniquely Serbian. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. My father gave it to me because he liked the name and he didn't care about the he didn't mm. care about the mm. the ethnicities and and, yeah. and 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 these little things. Yeah. So you know the fact that my father. And my mother were not part of some, you know, 
Muslim conspiracy can be found in the name of their firstborn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is yeah, absolutely you're right. I mean, that's a that's a that yeah, that's 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 interesting. I mean, uh, you know, most of our listeners who are of of our background will know uh, that it, that Dejan is explicitly a, a, a you know a Serbian name. My name Vedran, you know, is 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 Croatian. Is a Croatian name, <laughs> but you know, absolutely oh, nothing yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's incredible. Uh, now, now some of those responsible. Uh, for Omarska and you know the other camps, um, and and you, and you mentioned uh, Karatermen, Ternopolje. Uh, some of them have been found guilty um, mm-hmm. in the uh, ICTY, the International Criminal Tribunal for the former Yugoslavia in The Hague. H- how do you feel about those convictions? Um, look, I, I, firstly, I'm happy that 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 we that we created at least created conditions for, for us to prosecute these people at an international level. So mm. I, I'm happy that the International Court of Justice exists Yeah, because um, um, the alternative was that nothing gets done about it. Mm. Um, how do I feel about convictions? Look, I, I, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm glad that they, they were made accountable, at least. Um, mm. I understand, and especially now having, you know, Having moved out of that and, and and become a more of an adult, I suppose, and understand the difficulties in in doing more than than was done, mm. uh, definitely. But uh, uh, you know, I go back to I go back to this, and and, and lot of lot of a lot of people throughout the ages face this issue, right? You know, you you go and uh, you go and five or six people get put on trial, and they were the leadership that oversaw this. Now, now the fact is, none of them killed my dad. Yeah. Right? So yeah. a lot of a lot of a lot of criminals, a lot of criminals that committed the actual murder um, uh, got, got to walk free. Uh, and in some sense, that, that hurts. That does hurt. Um, in the other, uh, no, on the flip side of that, I'm happy that, that ICTY existed because at an international level, we repudiate that, mm. that idea of ethnic cleansing as a means of creating uh you know, uh, 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 mono-ethnic countries. Yeah. So as a world, I'm proud of us. We, we went yeah. and said, hey, this is not what we do. Hmm. Uh, on the other hand, you know, and I said at the beginning that, you know, I, I've, I've lost, I have lost. Uh, when we went to bury dad, it was 304 people. And there was this old lady who was sitting on the ground and she was crying and a lot of women were comforting her. And I asked, I turned to my auntie and I said, who is that woman? Uh, and she said, today she buries her uh, husband. And it was like three or four sons. Everybody. And, you know, so, you know, I, you know, every time you get angry, you go, well, you know, at least you were lucky because I was lucky, right? Mm-hmm. When, when you think about it. I, I, I know, I know for, for the listeners, it may, may be hard to understand, but. Yes, I was lucky because there's people who, who went through, you know, indescribable horrors. Yeah, yeah. there was uh, not to mention the the female um, family members and the female uh, family friends who were who were um, used as sex slaves um, uh, in, in in different types of camps who underwent horrors untold and then were released and they they still struggled to put their lives together. So. In a lot of senses, I was lucky, uh, and and that's why ICTY matters is because we we at least got to talk about what happened, mm. uh, and and um, 
and agree as a as an international level that that it is wrong. Mm. Yeah. What does the word forgiveness mean to you? Does it even does it does it resonate? Um, it, it 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 does on on some level. Um, I I suppose we all we all experience forgiveness different. I I experience mm. forgiveness maybe more as an acceptance. Yeah, I accept. Yeah. I, I accepted what happened to me. I accept. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I accept it. Uh, do do I do I for do I forgive? Uh, I don't hold a grudge against against um, you know all Serbs. Mm. First up, I don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Godfather to my son is a Serbian who mm. went through similar experience because he found himself being a Christian on the Muslim side, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I have friends who are of different ethnic backgrounds, and I do not hold a grudge. But do I forgive uh, the uh, uh, the the individuals um, who were responsible for doing what, you know, organizing concentration camp runners. I know I don't forgive them. I don't forgive them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, yeah. I will never forgive them. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not something they, they can live with it as far as I'm concerned. And they, mm-hmm. they, they, you know, if, if they have to live with that regret, maybe that is the least, mm-hmm. um, maybe that's going to be the only justice they get on this, on this yeah. earth. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. No, and 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 I think that's completely understandable, which is why I asked the question whether whether that is something that's uh, uh, even possible. Particularly, you say that some of them are still walking freely. Um, yeah. uh, you know, probably around Priedor. Uh, have Have you been back since? Uh, the first time when it was ninety. So when I left in ninety three, I, I went ninety six um, with my with my wife. Uh, my wife is Australian born, and she's um, she's a Queenslander. Of different, different, I think, Anglo, you know, Anglo, Anglo, yeah. Anglo. Uh, but she came along uh, to to help me out, and and uh, I went there, stayed there for ten days, and and I didn't want to stay a minute longer. Mm. Um, uh, and then second time, uh, I went um, after did a tour in in Afghanistan. I went to visit because at that stage my my grandparents were still alive there. I went to visit them, mm. uh, and again. You know, I would go to Kozirats, but I can't. But then to understand, it's like when, you know, and this is this is with people, when you leave something in such bad terms, you you don't you don't want to go back. Yeah. So I don't I don't necessarily, you know, um, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm a bit mistrustful. Uh, mm. it, it brings up some issues and, uh, and you know, and to be quite honest, I, I don't like necessarily subjecting myself to it unless I have mm. to. Yeah, of course. But, you know, yeah. So, so, so you went the first time you went back was in '96. Sorry, it was 2006. 2006. Okay, sorry. So that was that was when you buried your yeah, yeah. dad. 13 years after I left. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, just so backtrack a little bit, so so I get the story in my head, right? So you, uh, when you left uh, Priedor, uh, you went on the Red Cross bus, right? And you mm-hmm. said uh, your your mum put you on the bus, and then it was. Uh, it was later on in Croatia that your grandmother found you, right? Yes. Uh, uh, describe that a little bit. What, what, what do you mean your grandmother, your, your mother left you, and then that, well, she went <clears throat> in another direction, or what, what happened so, there? So, so yeah, so so the way it panned out was um, so my my uh, my um, uncle uh, who was in Ternopoli then released mm-hmm. um, he his family or was it my I, I, I can't you know yeah, I think it was my or his auntie's family. Mm-hmm. It was his auntie's family uh, sent her um, uh, papers, travel papers, right? They, yeah. From from US for them to go across to US and had wow. him 
my auntie and two of their sons on their right. Um, and my, my mom uh, asked for me to come along with them just to Croatia. And, and it was a Red Cross bus, but you still had to pay money to the, yeah. to the driver. That's, that's, how, that's how you got out. <laughs> so yeah. mom, mom, you know, mom gave whatever money she had. And, you know, it was... Um, it was uh, that, that's to get on the list, right, of the bus. That, that's right, just to get on the list on the bus. And then, you know, a few buses got canceled. And, and we finished up, you know, traveling from, uh, from, from Prijedor to, to, to Croatia, to Croatian territory, ultimately finishing up in Zagreb. And in Zagreb, we met some other family members who had stayed at this particular place. And yeah. then Mark, you know, had to move on with his family. And at the same time, I I didn't know how my my grandmother my, my grandmother had connections. But she she found out from Varajdin that I was in Zagreb. I, that's wow. still a mystery. And I asked my grandma, "How did you find?" She goes, "I was talking to a woman, and she said you were there." I was like, "Okay, like, I, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, yeah." Let's sure. <laughs> sounds fair. <laughs> she, and that's yeah. that's another thing, right? With with a lot of information, we found out was through these refugee networks yeah. of people. Yeah tracking each other and passing stories and, and that's how she found out that she came to Zagreb and she said hey you know they're off to USA come with me and and I and I, I had no one and, yeah. and not only that she was my grandma at the same time it's like yeah. yes and we went together and we spent next uh, you know four and a half five years living together um and then we went from Zagreb and 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 she she basically um checked me into a, a refugee camp in Marajdin which was run out of uh which was run out of uh, an old army barracks in Varajdin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we stayed there for about four months. This is um, you and your we... grandmother now. You, you stayed there just together grandma. now. Just yeah. grandma. Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. grandma. And, you know, it was. it's also worth mentioning that, you know, it is during that time that I first time interacted with militaries, with mm-hmm. Western militaries. Yeah. The first first one, uh, the, you know, first one was the... Um, um, the soldiers and the UN checkpoints we saw as we were driving out of Prieto, mm. you know, mm. people on the bus, just everybody started crying, you know, because mm. we were happy. We survived. Yeah. Yeah. We had a rough bus ride and, and people got, people got beaten up and, and, and everything taken off them, you know, as you're making it out of on these refugee camp, you know, these Red Cross buses, you're making it out of city. Every checkpoint is stopping. They're just looking for gold. They're taking every, mm. every last little bit of, of those, those those you know unfortunate human beings trying yeah. to escape it. The, every last uh, bit of dignity as well with it right? and, I mean, everything it's, it's no, not not leaving you know. nothing at all. in Varajdin a refugee camp was run uh, by some British engineers hmm. and, and 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 you know I have immensely immensely happy memories working with with, with, with those individuals. So firstly, I, I rocked up to Varajdin and I spoke some broken English. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it got much better since then, but and the soldiers just didn't have no no interpreters. So mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. this 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 mustached inge- British engineer one day going, he said, he's speaking English. And I said, Oh, hello, sir. I speak some English. He's like, yeah. great. You yeah. are our unofficial interpreter. So, you know, they, they, they did a lot of work for the kids. Like, you know, they built us, they, they built, you know, they went as far as they built us a little disco. And, and because I was interpreting for them, I had first dibs on humanitarian aid that was yeah. arriving. <laughs> <laughs> 
extra food. Like everybody, I went. I was I was really famous in the refugee camp. Like everyone, all these kids need something. You know, you look at him. He's talking to the Englishman. You know, <laughs> he's going places. Yeah, yeah. And I and I still have some pictures of them. And you know, they uh, and 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 they gave me a the, the little Union Jack they wear on their shirts. And um, and I had a I saw good soldiering. Mm. That's what I saw. Mm-hmm. That's what I saw, and it's it's obviously it 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 shaped me towards serving in the Australian Army. Ultimately, mm. it was, mm. I saw kindness. So, but yes, I, I detract. Yes, we finished up in 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 Varaždin, and then from Varaždin we went through a series. It was like four, five, about five, six actually refugee camps in Austria. Yeah. How was the? How was that? How was that going? Well, firstly, yeah, incredible. Um, but how was it? Get? How did you even get into Austria? Because I know I, I just think back to our experience. We we kind of had some. We, we stayed in Croatia for a little while, and then we we ended up in Germany. But you know, and, and I'm not sure if I should probably make this public on a podcast. But we, my, it was my mum's uncle who had worked in Germany. He caught a bus down to Croatia where we were staying. Threw us in a bus. We occupied the last seats in the back. Uh, as we came to the to the, uh, we we went through. Croatia, Slovenia border, no problem. Slovenia, Austria, no problem. Austria, Germany, we got stopped. Everybody's passports were checked. My uncle just left outside with a bit of cash. Uh, uh, um, walked out of the bus to resolve the question of our passports, uh, mum, brother and I. Uh, and about 15 minutes later, uh, came back without any issues, uh, just a few hundred marks uh, poorer, um, and, and, and you know we were, we were across uh, uh, the border into Germany where we then sought asylum. How, which is, which is you know think think of, thinking of it now that that's that's slightly crazy right but it's you kind of you make do with what you've got uh, at the time there's just no survival is the only option and trying to uh, make do with the with the circumstances you, the, with the cards you've been dealt how, how did that pan out for you how did you get into Austria so firstly I managed to get out um, thanks to abilities of my grandmother now. Mm. now um, my grandmother is an extraordinary human being that, uh, you know, uh, extraordinarily strong woman, was also an orphan herself when she was little. And she, she, was, she had ways of, of dealing with issues. And the way we dealt with it was, firstly, we knew that the borders were closed. So grandma said, yeah. you fly. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we did. <laughs> because grandma said, you know, nobody, nobody in Austria wants refugees. So we're gonna put on our best clothes, get on the get on the airplane from Croatia, and say we're going holidays in Austria. So, you know, wow, we, wow. <laughs> what what passports did you have at the time? Uh, we had Bosnian passports. Yeah, and, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We went to Austria. They were like, "All right, guys, like you know, yeah, you know, you're <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not tourists, yeah, <laughs> you know, you're not tourists, guys." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then so so I said, "Look, we, you know, you are stateless. You you yeah, not because yeah, yeah, because yeah. there were so many like." The Austrians did extraordinary job hmm. um, for 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 the Yugoslav refugees. Yeah. The, the country, yes. the small yes. country, has taken yes. on hundreds of thousands of people. Yes. And so yes. the system was near the breaking point. They were like, yes. "Look, this cannot. You have to continue on and whatnot." Yeah. But we had a, we had my auntie, uh, my auntie and my uncle. So my my uh, father's uh, uh, brother and 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 sister living in one of the refugee camps there already they took us in into that refugee camp and the uh, NGO who was running that refugee camp said they were happy for us that we couldn't register us as refugees so our family shared their meal rations with us 
hmm. uh, and and we just slept in their rooms until there was uh, until there was a situation where we could actually register as refugee camps and then we were advised to go to Triskirchen which is also from what i gather it's still it's still a, a refugee okay. uh, refugee migrant camp just outside of vienna we went Triskirchen and and there we we went to <clears throat> registration and uh and i you know and 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 once we got registered we we got we got a portion and Triskirchen at that stage worked as a it's a big refugee camp but basically everybody gets there uh, and then, and then um, the NGOs, my understanding is then NGOs work with other refugee camps mm-hmm. around the country. And when there's a spot open, you, you, you know, you, you basically get sent there. It's like a funnel, then, basically, to to. Into it's like a funnel, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. a funnel. So we were, you know, we were in Triskirchen, and and it was it was it was destiny that I was going to be there because whilst the Triskirchen was walking through that refugee camp, I saw uh, an ad that talked about uh, Australia. And Australia refugee intake at that stage, and uh, my other uh, family, so my aunt and my uncle, already were on the. Uh, they put their hands up for Australia as well. They said, "Look, let's go to Australia." I went to grandma, and grandma was really scared. Mm. And my grandfather was still in Bosnia, and she was like, "I've really, you know, it's so far away." And I, I just, I begged her. I said, "Please, just take me, take mm. me there, and mm. you can come back." Um, so yeah, she she we put our hands up uh, uh, and then you know did whole series of tests as you do. Yeah. It was a, it was a yeah. real. It's it's hard. That I think I think we I think we still have refugee intake programs, but you go to you know medical dental yeah. all that yeah. Kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and security tests, but a year passed and we were still you know sort of going from refugee camp to refugee camp in Austria till one day somehow the the, the <laughs> we just found out go hey you've been successful so mm. get ready and you'll go and that was after some. Just about two years in being refugee in Australia, we finally got our ticket to to Australia, Australia. and I have it framed. I have I have the visa framed, you know. Just me. I think I, I think I had a mullet. It was scary. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there you go. No, but that's a that's a. I mean, a, yeah, I, I, I think that's a. The fact that you have it framed doesn't surprise me because it's a special moment. I mean, we we arrived on the twenty fifth of October ninety five, and it's a, you know. Even now, you know, more than 25 years later, we still, as a family, collectively send each other a message, you know, every 25th of October, you know, purely because that's the day our lives changed as a family. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's the way, a new, it, it's the day that a new life started. Um, w- while you were, yeah. sorry, yeah. So, by the way, 25th of November, 95. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow! Wow! So I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Month. I don't cover the dates. I don't know why. It must be some coordinate. Must yeah. some, sounds like it was like just comedians. It was like they can arrive every 25th of the month. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's pick let's pick a random number. Yeah, yeah. You get all the Bosnians in on the 25th. <laughs> Is that a pension date? It's uh, it's a Bosnian a Bosnian yeah, day. Arrival, arrival day. Yeah. What was uh, what was life like for uh, you know? So you're at this stage. You were you know from 12 to 13, 14 into 15 mm-hmm. uh, uh, around all these different refugee camps. What what was life like to describe that for us? Yeah, you know, and uh, it was a strange time. You know, I was 13. Uh, you know, you just became a teenager. Um, it's a time where a lot of teenagers seek you know belonging and whatnot, but belonging can be there. You know. You, you're changing friends every four or five months you know, mm-hmm. because you mm-hmm. born. Uh, there was, uh, uh, you know, there was no ways to, you know, meet a girlfriend or something yeah, like that. Yeah, everything was, yeah, everything yeah. was passing, you know, at the same time, 
uh, you know, I had some, I had issues in certain schools, in certain places with, uh, with uh, uh, racism and bullying and, and, you know, and being chased again. And, you know, not, you know, as, 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 as you find in all countries, there's always a mm. certain fringes and including kids who are very mm. harsh mm. for being different. So in some sense, <clears throat> in some sense, um, it was, it was easier than Bosnia. In some sense, it was more difficult because, you know, you, you, you just, you just, you just couldn't, you, you couldn't, you know, spread your roots somewhere, right? And yeah. then go like, hey, I'm going to stay here for a while. Um, did you go to school? Did you go to school? In- yes, I, uh, yeah, yes, yes, I did. So I, I, I finished up, you know, in, in Triskir and I went for a few months. Then I finished up living in this little place called Valm Shola Pass, which is um, sort of in the middle. It's the most idyllic place you can imagine. It's, mm. it's right in the middle of uh, uh, Steiermark. Mm. Uh, it's a sort yeah. of sound, you know, the sound of music type place. It's just yeah. gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Yeah. And we live inside a, inside a small, small camp, which used to be a, a, a Catholic convent, and, and then uh, the, the nuns donated it to the refugees. There was, mm-hmm. uh, from memory, there was about 20 families in there, you know, really small, really small township as well. Mm-hmm. So I went to school there for about, um, for about um, uh, seven, eight months. Had to change school after about three months because I had some, I had some really, some really bad bullying occurred at that stage. I found myself as being, you know, the only refugee there and, and the kids uh, were unkind to say the least. So I finished up going to a different school again. But what um, happened? What, what happened? What, what, what happened? Uh, it was, <clears throat> it was, it was mainly, uh, you know, it was mainly for being a foreigner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kids would chant, you know, foreigners get out and, uh, you know, they would uh, chase me and, and try to beat me up and, Mm-hmm. beat them up and you know and the usual the usual uh, you know issues you find um, when when the when the plague of bullying um, yeah. you know captures yeah. schools so uh, I was fortunate that you know that I was sort of age 14 was difficult but age 15 I started growing rapidly and as you know me I'm not exactly a small guy yeah. and I was I was I was I became a relatively large 15 year old and that sort of drove off some bullies um, uh, so I changed schools and, you know, and then finished up fi- for the final year, you know, final year was, uh, I believe it was year nine with, um, uh, in Graz, I finished year nine and then, uh, uh, then, you know, sort of continued my schooling. But needless to say that schooling was disrupted for about two and a half years, severely disrupted. And, you, but, uh, and it was in German, right? Yes, it was in German. Yes. So I came here speaking German. Um, mm. You know, uh, it was, it was in German. Uh, it was, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was, how was that? How was that? Uh, uh, that, I mean, I think back to my experience, uh, and, and I ended up in Germany in Munich, right? So again, we weren't too far off. Um, we were just on the other side of the Alps. But I remember that experience being as, as, as well, on one hand, somewhat exciting, because you're like, okay, I'm in a different place, uh, but also exceptionally uh, frightening. And I, and I remember my first day in, in, a, in a German school, obviously, I didn't speak German at that time. Um, but they came in and I had to do a physical, uh, uh, health check. I had no idea what they were doing. All of a sudden I was in a room and, uh, you know, they were asking me to take my clothes off. Uh, and then, you know, they had the stethoscope and checking. So I realized, okay, it's a medical or whatever. Uh, but then they asked me to take my underpants off as well, which was really, you know, I think back to that moment of like, this is kind of the, where, where the fear kind of kicks in and I started striking out them and, and, and kind of kicking, kicking the people away. There was a lady and a guy, and they were both going, no, no, it's, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, you know, calming me down. And all they wanted to do was check that I was, you know, 
like that everything was okay kind of thing. Uh, but to me, that was even now I think back, it was an exceptionally frightening moment. Everything else was okay, but this kind of that was kind of the final straw of my modesty, of my privacy. As a you know, at that stage I was I was twelve, I think, or eleven. Um, it, it was exceptionally uh, uh, intimidating time. Uh, but perhaps also because we harbour this idea of Germany and uh, uh, Germans, who I, you know, like you said about Austria, I think, I mean, I, I, I the German people and the German government have, have a very special place in my heart for for letting us stay uh, where, when it was hardest. But it certainly wasn't wasn't easy uh, uh, being no. there. No, no, it wasn't easy. Like I finished one year of schooling under uh, occupied Prieder, mm. um, and and uh, and again. You know, we, you know, pray this podcast is going to go forever if we start dealing with it. But, you know, it was not pleasant. It was not pleasant uh, for the for the Muslim kids that were left behind. We were, we were, uh, uh, we were bullied. Yeah. Uh, to say the least, mm-hmm. we were, we were made feel really, you know, unwelcome. So when I came to Austria, I already had, I harbored fears yeah. of going to school because I, I didn't want to be that kid again. Uh, that you know finds himself, yeah. uh, you know, being the oddity, and that's exactly what happened to me. Yeah. Uh, so, so I found myself on a path where I was like rapidly just just didn't want to be didn't want to be in school anymore. I just I just yeah. couldn't I couldn't I couldn't hack it. Uh, but things things obviously changed uh, in the in the last place like you know, in Graz. It was it was it was getting a bit better, and then definitely when I got in Australia, it was really in Australia that the uh, the efforts of 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 our teachers and. Mm. Mm. And, and our social workers that they really reintegrated me back into the education system. Mm, mm, it was most certainly difficult. And it was scary. Yeah, uh, it was very scary for, yeah. for a child. And that that is something worthwhile noting. Uh, that having been a soldier now for for a long, for rather long time, I mean, a reasonably long time. I'm I'm and having experienced war, I, I find that war is uh, easier on soldiers than civilians. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, because it's it's the 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 destructiveness that that war brings to 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 social systems to to lives is just uh, 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 it's 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 enormous mm-hmm. and in many ways in many ways uh, shapes uh, people's lives for generations to come. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I I definitely think you know it is harder on on the civilian population when the war is being fought in amongst them. And, and and that's ultimately what this podcast is really about. Is it is about those the cost of war, right? Through those that have lived it, um, because oftentimes we don't we don't understand this, and it's um, it's easy to to cast judgment uh, on those who you perceive as different or you know uh, remote. And and I think if we found this, you know, during the 2015 refugee crisis. Um, oftentimes we misunderstand or misinterpret what it what the reality of a refugee is like. I mean, I just think back to the language surrounding being a refugee in Germany, right? And again, I love Germany and I love German people. I really do. But the, you know, we were there on a, as refugees uh, on this uh, uh, permit called Duldung, uh, which roughly translates to, you know, bearing or tolerating you. Uh, I think the formal translation is uh, the tolerated stay permit. Um the, just the language of that in itself is so, um, it, it, you know, it it, 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 it's about that belonging, right? Like you were talking about before, how important that is. 
within the, f the, 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 the term itself, you are told you don't belong. We are just tolerating you uh, because we can't deport you right now for one reason or another. And I think that's, a, that's an important insight, I think, to, to unpack from our discussion. You know, I think the, uh, both of us having been refugees, I think that's something that stands out for me. Uh, but just listening to your story as well, you know, the, this idea of belonging, uh, of the otherness uh, keeps coming through. Now that you now that you're in Australia, you've been here for you know what nearly um, what twenty more than twenty five years, nearly twenty of which have been uh, in the Australian Army. How do you identify? How do you identify now? What is your identity? Are you Bosnian, Australian? Are you you know something else? Or, you know what, what are you? It's 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 yeah. Well, I, I identify as Australian. Mm. I have mm -hmm. for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this this is this is this is one thing that uh, when I came to Australia, it was the it was the first time that I that, that I took a free breath, and mm -hmm. it was the first time that people didn't. And 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 I went to a school, the first school I went into. Uh, we went to um, a part of school called Intensive English Center. Yeah, and it was yeah. very much. It was all like you know, all different <laughs> refugees and whatnot, and yeah. all around the world. None of us could speak English, and we were hanging out, just smiling at each other. Yeah, you know, it was it was it was. Where great. did you Where did you land? Where did you first arrive in Australia? Sydney. Yeah, Sydney. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. Well. So yeah. Same here. Where, 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 where? Which intensive? Which IC did you go to? <laughs> I went to uh, Holroyd Holroyd High School. Okay. Right. Right. Holroyd, which is out near Grayston, uh, past okay. just just out, just outside of Maryland. Right. Okay. Yeah. I lived, I lived outside, but most of my time prior to joining the army was spent around Maryland. Yeah. Which is okay. a very multicultural area. Yeah. But yeah. okay, it was. Uh, I I felt I felt a sense of belonging mm. uh, in Australia, and and that is. The, the the way that that grandma and I were accepted into this country, the the opportunities I was afforded, uh, I would uh, it would be a miss to say that I feel anything but Australian. Yeah. I acknowledge my Boston heritage, yeah. uh, I, I most definitely do, and and I and I still you know speak the language, or listen to the music, and and and, mm. and everything else. Mm. But I, I don't I don't think uh, what, what, when I say sense of belonging, my sense of national belonging yeah. lies with Australia. My sense of cultural belonging. Is obviously shaped by who I am, yeah. but uh, but I identify myself as Australian, and it actually gives me a sense of freedom as well because yeah. you know as Australian you can just choose to tune out to yeah. hate that I can hear in where yeah. we came from, you know, rising gang, even now, know, so, yeah. um, as, as as Australian. Yeah, no, that that's that's yeah, that's that's great, and and again that resonates really strongly with me. Um, you've mentioned. Uh, that your experiences uh, uh, in the concentration camps with the British soldiers, uh, you, you saw good soldiering and you saw kindness. So, you know, thinking back now to your entire experience of, of Bosnia, the war, refugee days, all the tragic loss you've experienced, how has that shaped your own service uh, in the Australian Army? Just, look, just quickly correct you. It's mm -hmm. the experience of the British in the refugee camps. Oh, sorry. Yeah. The, the, what the did I say? Concentration. Camp. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. Of course. Sorry. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. Refugee camp. Yeah. And 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 how 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 good soldier and how does it shape me as mm. as a soldier? Look, there, there was. Uh, I, I was actually thinking, uh, you know, in preparation for this interview, uh, uh, there, there's two stories I want to contrast here mm, mm. That, that that I think. Uh, um, they, they, they held vividly in my memory, and mm. they I think they shaped what sort of soldier I am. And the first one starts in Bosnia. 
uh, and it was a, it was a, one of the most scariest experience I had. It was a raid on our apartment mm. uh, by some uh, by some uh, uh, Serbian forces by mm. some bearded men. Mm. You know, they had big beards as they yeah. did in the black yeah. hats. Yeah, they came in and, and they smashed the door in, and it was my dad was away already. Like he was taken away. My uncle was living in our apartment. They were looking for somebody. Uh, they just busted the door down, stormed the stormed the apartment. I was we lived in a really small apartment, like it was maybe like 50, 60 square meters mm, at the tops. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, you know, and uh, and they went. There was a living room and there was a spare bedroom, and the living room was my uncle and my aunties, so the adults, and in the spare bedroom were all the kids, and they, well, they were in the living room. Uh, uh, they started asking my uh, uncle for questions. Who was he? What was he? Was he a, a you know, a, a, a sympathizer of mm. Alia or whatever? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and my uncle uh, replied to him, uh, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a militia brother. As you know mm. how in Bosnia, you can finish with brother. Yeah. And this guy just lost it. He was like, I'm not your brother. And he started screaming at him and abusing him. And, 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 the, and, and my mom and my auntie started begging for mercy and he was kids were all of us were just crying yeah, we were all traumatized yeah. and right at that moment there was about from memory it was about five soldiers who entered in there there was a young guy he was also bearded and and he uh, um as they stormed in we had this coat hanger we had this we, the, the, we had coats just as uh, we entered yeah. the house yeah and, yeah. They, and, they, and they kicked some coats and he turned around and started putting coats back up and he left his rifle outside and closed the door and sat down with us kids and started interacting with us and joking and telling us it's all gonna be okay and and provided an absolute contrast yeah. to the to the That's horror that was yeah. happening. Yeah. And he 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 stayed in my memory, you know. He stayed in my memory because you know it it, it shows it shows um, a human being um, coming out behind mm. the unit, mm-hmm. going hey. These kids are scared, and he he showed me what I consider kindness mm. and consideration. So 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 to that end, he he influenced me in the way when I go about my business. I'm I'm more careful of the mess that I'm creating around myself. Like mm. I'm, I'm acutely aware that of of the impacts of what I do. Um, the second part were the were the British soldiers uh, in, in the refugee camp, and and and. Uh, and the efforts they did to help us out, uh, and when I say good soldiering, is because they 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 went above and beyond. Mm. Uh, they 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 really they they really tried to help us all. They 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 were there day in day out, fixing stuff, painting walls, you know, just just contributing, enhancing, building building something for us, right? So we mm. can so we so we can ease some of the because the camp was in a great state, far mm. from it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it was their interaction. It was them coming out and during their breaks playing soccer with us. It was them. Mm-hmm. It was them organizing us a disco. You know, there was. Yeah. It was them. You know, I knew that those soldiers were. That you, you can see that they were doing more than they had to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I think it is good soldiering, be, because uh, the effect that it creates is is ultimately like I, right? Yeah. Who's yeah. who? Who was so influenced by that that that. That you know, firstly, I, you know, I still remember, I still treasure the the the, the pictures I have of them, the, the Union Jack that they gave. Mm, mm, uh, mm, 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 mm. Built through those soldiers, I built a relationship with British people, so very important. So that's why I say good soldier. And I would say, I would say, although that you know, and I, I don't want my you know our listeners to misunderstand me, but that soldier in Bosnia who fixed up stuff mm. and and 
he, that is an attribute. That is an attribute of the soldier. Right? He's mm. he's trying to to mend things, and you know it's it's. I think that, that, that that's that's how it shaped me as an officer. Is I'm aware that of the mess that is made by mm. war. Mm. I'm not saying can, I'm, 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 I'm a realist. I understand the wars will always occur, but I'm acutely aware that 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 the second order and the third order effects mm. we creating people around us. And that it is not simple for them, and we shouldn't fall into the trap of simplifying the experiences mm-hmm. of the civilian population around us. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's no, that's absolutely absolutely powerful. I think it's a it's a it's it's, a, it's an important uh, insight, particularly for those who are you know, well, like both of us, right, who are wielding military power um, in time of war or peacekeeping uh, and so on. Um, have you? Were that now you've deployed a number of times to Afghanistan. You've also been uh, to East Timor. Were there times there where you remembered your experience uh, of war, and that kind of you know either changed the decision that you've made or changed how you approached a particular situation? Yes, yes, yes. There were. I'm, I'm always acutely aware of it. Um, you know, East Timor was the first time, you know, it was some six years after I arrived to Australia, mm-hmm. I found myself mm. great as a soldier, you know, and, mm. and it was, it was, a, 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 again, um, it was a similar theme of, of the, of the, of the misery sown amongst the civilian population of seeing those kids. So it did, it did, uh, it did assist me. I, 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 I readily connect to people. Um, mm. You know, I don't, I don't, um, I, I, I for some people, it takes longer to understand the, the human side that they're seeing outside yeah. of the vehicles yeah. they're driving. For me, I, I felt immediate connection. Yeah, um, I, I felt deep sense of empathy, and I always do. Yeah. Um, for for Afghanistan, um, uh, there is, you know, what, what I found is there is a lot of there, there's some cultural traits that that we inherently share with Afghan people. Mm. Um, coming from being from Bosnia, mm. and a lot of those cultural traits are brought on by by the uh, you know Turkish Empire and, and whatnot, and and so hence, you know, some of our sayings, some of our foods, yeah. some of yeah. the, the similarities yeah. in our family. Uh, and, and again, I, I felt, I felt empathy. Uh, I, uh, you know, I think I understood them a bit better. And, and also, it helps us because you can uh, build a construct of the uh, opposition's framework as well. Yeah. Right? You can, you can. You, I'm not saying I understand what the opposing side. Uh, what opposing sides trying to achieve, by, uh, but I can build a construct in my head on how they came to their conclusions yeah. and uh, what they're going for. Because again, I've, I've seen I've seen people buy into some very unreasonable, very unreasonable ideas yeah. and uh, be part of this collective. And, yeah. yeah, so um, um, uh, it does. And every time I go overseas and uh, and I'm among civilian population, it, I, I remember something else from when I was a refugee or when I was during the war. And in, in some sense, it's, it's almost, uh, uh, I'm not, you know, in some sense helps me come to terms with things as well, because there's nothing worse than the sense that uh, uh, it, it is you who experienced the absolute horror and nobody else has. And as bad as this sounds, I'm not promoting the people mm. experience. Horror. I'm just saying that when you see that this condition is actually sh- shared and, and, and you weren't that special, it, it sort of helps you go like, okay, well, you know, don't mm. don't mm. yourself. Just, yeah. just, just. Just crack on with it, mate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. What, what motivates you now? Or, or, or maybe maybe a, way to, a better way to put it is um, what has helped you throughout your life deal with, like you just said, you know, have, to contextualize your experience, 
what what tools or methods do you use uh, uh, to keep yourself going? I, I like reading history, right? And uh, and I, I think at the beginning of, of, of this podcast, we, we talked about how I found out about the horrors that occurred. Mm, is that mm. we all the stories later on? Mm. And same 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 sense, I. I, I tried to research what happened in that mm. old Yugoslavia. I tried mm. to research the history of people. I tried to contextualize mm. it so we can get away from this, you know, from, from this, from this, um, uh, um, a, you know, lazy duality that we apply to mm. everything good and evil, black yeah. and white. Everything yeah. is like so simplified. This, 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 everything is gray. Yeah. So what, what I do is I, I, I go and I, I research and through research about reading about it, about building a better picture along the way it helps me uh, sort of, you know, contemplate and bring it along. Yeah. The, the other, the other, and the most important thing are people in my life that help me, mm. you know, mm. uh, my, my wife, uh, my wife, my family, you know, you, uh, mm. my, 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 the great military family, you know what I mean? I'm always there and, 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 you know, so, so it's, it's, there, there is no simple solution to dealing with this. It, mm. it, what what you I, I suppose what you have to guard against is um, um, building a, a really deep mistrust against everyone. Mm. Um, you have to understand that that your perceptions of something occurring may not necessarily be shared perceptions by everybody else. Mm. Um, and if you truly want to understand what happened to you, you have to apply some academic rigor along the way to understand yeah. the human condition and why God is so. I know it's not a clear answer. So. No, that's a fantastic answer, and, and and what springs to mind. I mean, you keep kind of reiterating the the idea of the narratives that we the people embrace, and uh, and that you have to unpack your own narratives. And uh, you know, having seen people who have uh, committed horrendous acts, you know, through misinformation, you know, I'm you know, I'm just reminded of I think is is a Voltaire. You know, those who those who make you believe absurdities will make you commit atrocities. I think that's a very you know fitting uh, uh, and just the fact that you're linking education to that very point. I think it's 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 hugely important. Um, and uh, you've been very generous with your time, but maybe just one last question that kind of builds on this, right? You, you've you've since so since uh, joining the the army, you've uh, completed a master's uh, in military and defense studies. You've done a master of business. You've got a graduate certificate in justice. Is is this part of the reason, uh, uh, you know, you're, that you are a perpetual student? Is it to 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 keep nurturing, to understand, to unfold, or, or, or what drives this 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 thirst for knowledge? Um, well, firstly, I have to acknowledge my mother who who, who yelled at me even before the war started that if I don't study, I'm nothing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that rings a bell. Yeah. <laughs> You know what it's you know what Bosnia's like. If you yeah. don't study, yeah. you know, you'll, like, you'll become nothing. You, yeah, if you don't if you don't study, you'll you'll end up in politics. That was the uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, um, um, but, but yes, yes, I, I do, I do. It's um it's a form of it's a form of therapy. But along the way, you know, and that's that is the great thing about knowledge. Along the way, it's not specifically the subject that you're studying. It's not specifically, you know. Um, a, a, a certain field that you're studying. It's what you're exposed to as you're researching that field. You come across some amazing points, right? Um, uh, amazing observations about, uh, again, about the human condition, about mm. about about how the world how the world functions, or somebody's yeah. view on how the world functions. So um, I, you know, so 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 to that end, I I um, um, I use I use study as a form of meditation. I, I use study as a, as, as to keep my mind sharp, mm. uh, I, and and as much as I, you know, I, I love 
studying i'm not not a huge fan of writing essays i'll i'll, I'll, I'll bring that straight up like i'm not i don't go out of my way to write the random yeah. you know i i suffer them same as <laughs> humanity does um uh, but but i uh, i am i am i have i have a when i commit to something i stick to it right mm. it's like mm. a bull with a red you know i go for it so uh yeah look it's uh it's i think i think um at times that world would be a better place if people read and studied a little bit more mm. um, along the way along that journey you 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 learn of more things and you get rid of these simplifications you you stereotypes and prejudices that 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 form the groundwork for greater evils yeah so you know and 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 so so to that end you know i i, I strongly advocate for yeah. people to study and and one final question if i can um you are now father to senad who it's your mm-hmm. dad's name right that your son carries what do you hope for him what are your hopes for him you know um many people many people think that um having a dad who lived through all this i would be um, some sort of you know realist mm. you know well, this is what it was i i i i'm I'll declare to to listeners I'm a helicopter parent right mm. like I I I shield <laughs> I want to you look I yeah. I you know it's it's all good um, I I you know I I see in him you know this is the great thing about fatherhood is is you have a chance to to shape somebody's life mm. and create a life that you wished for yourself right yeah. a life uh, uh, you know surrounded by love um um uh, life of not wanting of not being hungry mm. you know uh, so i i what i hope for him better is that one day you know when he's a when he's a grown man is that firstly that along the way Katie and i would have imparted some some uh, good uh, ethical and 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 moral goalposts for that mm. kid mm. so he's a good human being that he can turn around and say hey dad was a dad arrived in this country as a refugee he served uh, and he and 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 he committed himself to australia so he feels anchored to this country mm-hmm. he feels anchored to this country um and 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 you know lastly i just want him to have childhood i just want him to have an uninterrupted childhood i want him to i want him to you know know have friends that he met as he does already he met in daycare that he's still friends when he's in year 12 mm-hmm. you know i want him to I want him to be happy uh and then then he can make a choice if he wants to travel and what not so in mm-hmm. a lot of senses i'm going to make a very boring life for him uh, and then he can he yeah. can make it more exciting and I, and, I, and, I, and 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 i you know i do it because it helps me as well yeah 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 boz it's been an absolute pleasure i'm i'm uh, deeply touched by your story and and thank you for so candidly sharing your experiences i think um you you you're you're an exceptional human being you've gone through so much and you've uh, turned all of that some might say negative energy uh, into something so positive where not only are you serving but you are a leader uh, and and a respected leader at that somebody who uh, looks to expand his understanding of the world on a day-to-day basis and i uh, yeah i thank you for taking the time to speak with me uh, i think this is an important conversation and and you were one of the first people I thought of when I thought of doing this podcast because I think your story needs to be told because it is so uniquely um, uh, relevant to 
the message of this particular podcast, and that is that there are there are so many unseen uh, wounds in war that we rarely speak about, um, that are rarely covered in any great depth in our media or social media, uh, and that we and and that, that are arguably not arguably that are that are not seen. You know, there are that are there are scars that are carried internally. Uh, so I thank you for your time. I really do. It's uh, very, very, very much appreciated. And look, I thank you also for giving me the opportunity, uh, uh, you know, to talk. Uh, and 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 I mean that I, I I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for starting this. Um, uh, um, you know, I hope all our listeners um, at least draw something out of these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I'll, you know, and and again, if during my conversation, you know, that these are my views, and if I offended somebody, I do apologize. Mm-hmm. The story is as it is. Yeah. And then, thank you very much for having me. I uh, look forward to seeing you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Voices of War. You can access all episodes on www.thevoicesofwar.com or by subscribing wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And while you're there, please give us a review as we'd love to hear what you think. If you'd like to recommend a guest for the show, you can reach me on info at thevoicesofwar.com.